today's Unpoi British Science Week interview, Marina takes us to the dark side, the math department. Will someone queue in the Imperial March for us? Hi, I'm Marina. I'm a fourth year maths and physics student. And today I'm here with someone who isn't a physicist. I'm here with Matthias Heil. He's a professor of mathematics at the University of Manchester. Um, so Matthias, would you like to tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, absolutely. So uh, as you said, I'm an applied mathematician. Um, so that, that is really somebody you know, who is sort of a theoretician in a sense. We do mathematics for a living. Uh, but the, the applied element really comes in. We, we like to apply it to something. So, you know, the, we earn our living by doing hard maths, but it's not the, the abstract hard maths, even though sometimes that's involved too. It's, it's the, the motivation often comes from practical problems like physics, for instance. Uh, so personally, the, the two areas I, I sort of instinctively would say what I'm most interested in is things like fluid and solid mechanics. So as far as physics is concerned, that's sort of the classical area, uh, you know, Newton, etc. Um, uh, and then I, but but there's many important problems that are still, you know, not understood mathematically and physically. And then I particularly like problems that, that then ultimately require computers to solve them. So like numerical simulations and things like this. What sort of pro problem do you work with in fluid mechanics, for example? Just when the... Yeah, so one of the examples is actually how I got into all this. So I started off actually, I have to say, I, you know, I'm now a mathematician, I think, uh, but I actually started off as, a, as an engineer originally in Germany. You can probably hear from my accent that I'm not from this country originally. Uh, so I started off in engineering and, and then sort of, or in, in fact, I was tempted to study physics too, right? Maybe that's a redeeming feature for, the <laughs> uh, for, for this series here. Um, and sort of always liked the theoretical end of it and, and sort of, you know, then drifted into the, the theoretical end and actually did my PhD in, in applied mathematics. That's, that's what first made me a mathematician. Everything before that wasn't really maths. Um, that was a problem. Um, it, it's sort of the area of biofluid mechanics. And um, so, so really the, the practical application, if you think about an, an application in physiology, it's, it was blood flow in veins and arteries. And the key thing there is that, as you know, from pulse wave propagation, for instance, the blood vessels are elastic, they deform. And I mean, that, that's actually what causes the pulse wave to propagate. If your heart contracts at some point, uh, it takes a while for the, the pressure pulse to reach the, the you know, more distal parts of the cardiovascular system. And that is to do, it's an interaction between fluid and solid mechanics right? that is responsible for this. Um, this gets even more exciting when, when you're in the, in the veins, so the arteries tend to inflate. Uh, so they're initially, you know, nice circular vessels and they inflate a little bit and, and they, they remain circular. And things get even more exciting when you're in the uh, venous system because the pressure is much lower. And the pressure inside the vein can be so small that what is initially still, a, you know, a circular vessel, can you, can you see this, uh, that actually collapses uh, due to the external pressure. Uh, then, of course, the interaction between fluids and solids is much stronger. You can get all kinds of exciting phenomena happening that, that you know, are still not so well understood. Um, so that's basically what I spent my PhD on. And then I'm, I'm still interested in these kind of problems. It's, it's often what, what people call multi-physics problems. You know, you have fluid mechanics interacting with solid mechanics or, or anything else. Um, but, you know, again, so there's a lot of hard maths to be done. Uh, novel numerical methods need to be developed. But it's, it's, it's always nice for me personally um, to have a practical application in the background that motivates all this. So... What is an ordinary day like for you? 
about that or that really depends it's it's quite uh, being an academic is quite an unstructured thing really i mean it, the way i often describe it is you're sort of where some people say we're basically you know self-employed but with a regular salary uh, <laughs> so th th there's obviously things that we absolutely have to do right and and uh in fact i find it interesting when uh you know when academics are interviewed on telly they're on, on, on telly we come across as you know here's the here, here's professor boffin who's the scientist and he does research and then there's the other half where you think of academics where well, we teach right uh that's obviously also what we do and in practice we do both all the time and we do all kinds of administra administrative work as well and marking exams and horrible things like this but um it, it all varies and i mean there's sort of regular schedule things like uh, i definitely have to teach my class otherwise i'll be in enormous uh trouble and the rest of the day you sort of you know you it, it's sort of expected of me to find my own things to do right nobody tells me what research to do it's part of my job description to find interesting things to look into and write interesting papers about so it it, it really depends, you know, what there is no typical day, I think. Uh, at the moment, uh, you're aware, depending on when you listen to this, COVID is still out there, so all our teaching is online. And uh, that, that, you know, required a huge amount of work to prepare all these, these lectures, record them, etc. And it, it's sort of, it's interesting to teach online. You know, it, it's more time-consuming than, than doing it live. So that takes up a huge amount of time at the moment, uh, but the end is in sight. The, the part of the course that I teach will end in a few weeks and then there's more time. And then there's more time for research, which really just means you have a whole list of, of open problems. Uh, and then often in your in collaboration with PhD students or collaborators, you hack away at them whenever you have the free time. So it's, it's sort of a mixture. And uh, I think one of the exciting things about the job is that there's no typical day really. Um, yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned that you you have a lot of collaborators. Do you uh, work? Do you collaborate or work with other science sciences or other scientists? Yeah, I mean physicists in particular. You know, given <laughs> given where you're you're asking these questions from. So we have a very uh, nice collaboration with with Anne Jewell's group over in physics. So anybody who's who's who knows the university, she's an uh, she's a, an experimental physicist, and she sort of does the experimental half of some of these problems that I'm interested in. Uh, so I think one of the first projects after she started here in Manchester was actually that was sort of motivated by fluid structure interaction problems that I had studied uh, theoretically slash computationally. And she actually went out then and, you know, tried out some of my predictions um, in a real life experiment. Right. And but it, it works both ways. It's I mean, in, she she quite rightly always gets annoyed if, um, if experimental work sort of gets um, gets relegated to just validating uh, theoretical predictions. It works both ways. And I think actually more often than not, experimentalists, um, you know, they they find all kinds of really bizarre, interesting behavior in, in their experiments. And then it's sort of over to the theoreticians, you know, go, can you explain this? And it's, oh, God, this looks really complicated. And that's where the fun starts, right? And, and that's actually genuinely something I really like. So, I mean, the I earn my life as a, my, my salary as a mathematician in the sense that often then to describe these problems mathematically, computationally, you do have to genuinely develop new maths that, that wasn't there before, that is a sort of problem-specific. But, you know, the motivation often comes from real life. So, yes, that's one of the things I find really interesting. Um, and how do you usually go about uh, developing new maths? So that's an, sort of an interesting thing. It, it's actually a, a term that puts the fear of God into applied mathematicians because precisely because we're often driven by practical applications 
So we have we can write wonderful grant applications saying, you know, here's here's this this motivation for this, it, it's practically relevant, etc. You know, at least it, it comes out of the experiment, which which makes it real. Um, and yet when it goes through, you know, when, when you put in a grant application to a research council and then uh, mathematicians assess this, and the killer question is always, this is all very interesting, but where's the new maths? And that is hard because in a sense, we are very pragmatic, right? I mean, mathematics is just a tool that we're particularly good at, uh, hopefully, uh, but we just use it, right? And if the maths already exists, we're not bothered, or we will just apply it ruthlessly, right? And but what does often tend to happen is, you know, you just suddenly realize there's a, you know, you have the physical problem there, you come up with a theoretical model of this, you then try to analyze this mathematically. And more often than not, you find out actually that there isn't really a proper method to do this, right? So that's when you develop the new maths, right? You come up with methods to, to, to analyze what's going on. Um, but I mean, again, again, it's it's the idea of what you want to look into, what new maths to develop, sort of driven by, by the application, that, that's the sort of mindset we have. Whereas pure mathematicians, quite rightly, they, they are primarily interested in the maths for its own sake. In fact, they're often quite offended if, if, <laughs> if they are practical applications, even though they're usually found uh, you know, years later anyway. right? So that, that's basically where the new maths comes in. <laughs> that's interesting to know. Um, do you have any advice for anyone who's in college right now and who, um, likes both maths and physics, but can't really decide which one to progress in? Oh, interesting. The, um, it, it depends. I mean, as I said, I've, I'm sort of the proof that, that you can easily switch disciplines. So I started off, I mean, I had sort of generally an interest in this sort of area. And then often you, you only really find out what the subject is like once you, you start doing it properly, right? So, I mean, this is no disrespect to what happens at school. Uh, but it, it's certainly the mathematics you do at school, and, and certainly what you call applied mathematics at school isn't applied mathematics at, at university, right? So in a sense, keeping, I mean, you're, you're probably sort of numerate or interested in, in, in science in some abstract way, but um, it, it's sometimes a bit hard for us to, to really, I mean, the, the first year at university is often spent getting people out of, the, out of the school mindset where they have very preconceived ideas of, you know, what mathematics should be like, you know, is it methods for solving specific equations and all this? Um, that, that's really not what it's all about. And I think the same is probably true for physics as well. You know, your horizon really widens once you're here. Um, now, of course, you have to sign up for a specific degree. Well, actually, having said that, that's not true. Uh, so Winston Marina studies maths and physics, so you can do both, right? Um, that is certainly an option. Generally speaking, my attitude has always been, you know, I, I started as a dirty engineer to, to some extent at some point. And nevertheless, I, I found it relatively easy to move across disciplines, uh, you know, when that seemed appropriate to me. So you, you sort of have to commit yourself to, to something, but it, it's not a one-way street, really. But especially in the UK, actually, the UK system really lends itself to flexibility in this sense. Um so I, I mean, do whatever appeals to you, you know, go to find out more about the subject, go to open base, talk to academics, um, you know, see what makes them tick uh, and, and see if that's the kind of thing that you think could make you tick as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's um, good advice. And yeah, I do, I, I do agree that both um, maths and physics in uni are quite different from what mm. we're used to in school. So it, it is yeah, it's a bit surprising that <laughs> <laughs> it gets <And> better. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> it does get better. Um, all, right, all right. And then my last question is just uh, what sort of advice would you have 
for anyone thinking about a career in maths? Um, that's sort of, I mean, that, that sort of towards the end of the, you know, I mean, we, it's, 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 it's a good follow on question to this, you know, I mean, that, that's basically what we discussed in the last question is how do you end up at the university? And then, I mean, often after this question, when it, because I'm in, in, in charge of PhD admissions in mathematics, for instance, so I, I really grilled the students there and asked them, why on earth do you want to do a PhD? And I nearly tried to talk them out of it because the danger really is, and in a sense, the same is true with, with, you know, going for an undergraduate degree. I mean, why do you want to do it? So the, the thing is, you know, there's the really pragmatic thing that, I mean, okay, undergraduate is sort of different because it's sort of nearly expected that people have been at university these days. You know, there's, this has really changed. It didn't used to be like this. And, you know, that's probably a good thing. Um, nevertheless, you know, the longer you stay in, in terms of a career, you know, let's say you do your undergraduate degree, you do a master's, et cetera, there, there's always the next stage. Right? And if you keep playing this game for too long, then you end up being like me. You're, you're actually at the university and you never leave. But I mean, nevertheless, the question is, why do you want to do it? So often the, the attitude, which is probably true at undergraduate level to some extent, this, you know, it qualifies you for other jobs, right? You're more qualified to some extent. But in a sense, that is, I'm always nervous about this, right? Because if you, you know, it takes you three or four years to study for your undergraduate degree. If you just go out into the real world and work on a job for three or four years, you will pick up so much practical experience that, you know, you may actually earn more money than somebody who's gone to university. Um, so, and, and this becomes increasingly true the higher up the, the food chain you get, you know, once you start doing a PhD. I mean, I really do not want any PhD students in my department, <laughs> and I tell them that, if they just want it because they want the letters PhD after the name or because they think they then walk into a highly qualified job afterwards. That is completely insane. That's not why you study. You study because you love the subject. And that sounds really cheesy and tacky. But ultimately, that's what keeps you going, right? I mean, that gets you out of bed every morning. You know, for instance, really at the other end, you know, PhD. PhD means for the first time in your life, you're not trying to regurgitate something that other people have done before you. And, you know, you've revised slash memorized for the exam. You actually have to do something new that goes beyond what is known to mankind. So that is scary as hell. And you will spend enormous amounts of time banging your head against the wall. And the only reason why this is actually quite an enjoyable experience sometimes um, it's because you understand things better and better, right? And, and that's what keeps you going. You know, if you just do it because you think you, you know, you're, you're more highly qualified, then, you know, you, you won't last four years for a PhD, right? So really the, the incentive for any of these things has to be to some extent, you know, do it because you absolutely love it, not because it's, it's the, so the, to put a really negative spin on it, especially in mathematics, we sometimes have this problem. I think physics probably have the same problem because maths and physics are taught at school. And because it is expected of students, you know, it's sort of taken for granted that if you've done A-levels, you typically go on for to, to university. And, and that is fine. I have nothing against this. But the trouble then is, how do you choose your subject? Do you choose it because you genuinely really, really love maths or physics or whatever else? Because you've, you, you like it, right? Or you think you like it. It then changes slightly when you actually arrive here. Uh, or do you do it? Because it's sort of expected of you to go to university, and maths was always the thing you you disliked least. <laughs> you know that would be terrible. Uh, don't don't do it for that reason. I mean, you know, of course, do it for whatever reason. I don't care. Maybe once you hear, you start loving the subject. But ultimately, that's what you want to do, right? There has to be some drive that that actually makes you want to do it. And uh, that is true for any job, really. Um, I ideally, right? Good. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. Okay, yeah. good. 
All right, yeah. So um, thanks for letting me uh, ask you all these questions and sort of pick your brain about it. Good. Thank you for joining us for today's interview. We really hope you enjoyed it and that you will join us tomorrow when we meet Draga, a nonlinear physicist. Don't forget to like and subscribe and spread the word to your friends. The hashtag is BSW21 and our social media accounts are at UOM Fizz Outreach. See you tomorrow.